When I'm doing songs about poop, I call myself the toilet bowl cleaners, and the poop songs are really big hits for me. By my standards, of course, which means like $10 per song per year, but, but that's huge. Turns out, when people are done searching for the latest pop hits at a music website, they get bored and they start searching for really weird words. Eventually, one of those words that they're gonna search for is poop, and when they do that, they're gonna find the toilet bowl cleaners, and I'm gonna make a little bit of money. It's pretty cool. Hey everybody, and welcome to the show, Feeling Well. I'm Ralph, and I'm here today with... Lloyd Howell, relaxing, enjoying the day. This is true. And we have a very special guest today, entertainer, musician, filmmaker, actor, the greatest artist on the face of the earth, polymath, producer, internet sensation, Matt Farley of Moturn Media. Matt, how's it going? Thank you. That was a great introduction. You're doing great. <laughs> well, it's very warranted. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I feel like I can't do you justice in a pithy introduction. Uh, you are a musician who has uh, has uploaded how many songs to Spotify? More than twenty thousand. More than twenty thousand. And and uh, you have uh, uh, alongside your. Uh, extremely uh, uh, prolific and compulsive uh, recording career, you've made several sort of uh, DIY feature films, correct? That is correct, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's, um, it's been this way since I was a kid. You know, I was, um, I was writing books, you know, when I was in grade school and, and poems, and uh, as soon as I got a video camera, like around age 13, I was making movies with my friends, and. Uh, it's just all I've ever wanted to do, and so far I've been able to keep doing it. So, so how would you how would you kind of describe your whole deal to people who may not be familiar with you? Because uh, it's not just that you're a musician; you make a wide variety of songs under different names. Uh, some of them are very earnest; many of them are are intentionally funny, uh, and I suppose a lot of them can kind of be described as novelty songs, if that's fair. So yeah. So how would you describe the way you kind of approach the music business? Uh, so the way I approach the music business, specifically the business part, is, um, you know, I just made a, I had a revelation back in around 06, 07. My band Mo's Haven um, was earning so little, like, was earning maybe $25 a year, but I noticed that most of that money was coming from just a few songs, all of which had weird titles. And, um, and I, I realized that um, if you have a song with a weird title and, and an equally weird uh, and funny lyrics to match it, sure. then you can, you can make a couple bucks off of that song per year. And you know, most people would make that realization and then get on with their lives. But I made that realization, and then I decided, I decided, I'm going to spend the next decade plus recording twenty thousand songs like that, and with the theory that it would earn me, you know, forty thousand a year. And ta-da, here we are, and it's working. It's happening, really. Like you, you earn many tens of thousands a year. Just from from a ton of songs that get a tiny amount of 
uh, playership. Is that the that's yeah, the strategy? Yeah, this year, um, this year I'm up over fifty thousand dollars in streaming wow. money. Yeah, that's amazing. But how many hours of work what is that? How many hours of work? I mean, uh, well, twenty thousand songs. What's the average? (laughs) Let's say say 20, an average of 20 minutes per song. So 20 times 20,000. 20 minutes per song, that's it? Um, 20 minutes per song? Yeah, yeah, I mean, with average, I mean, obviously some of them take a few hours, but then if I'm just doing like, uh, Mary, will you go to the prom with me? And then I plug, and then I redo the same song with a new name. Okay, well, yeah, let's let's highlight just... this. So you also you do commissions for people. You yeah. you uh, the funny thing about you is that um, you have no qualms about plastering your actual phone number all over the internet. Um, <laughs> and uh, I revisited uh, three of your films ahead of this. I watched uh, Don't Let the River Beast Get You, uh, Local Legends, and Slingshot Cops. And in the middle of Local Legends. I have to say, you're you're the first filmmaker I've seen who just throws his actual phone number up on the screen in the middle of the movie. But uh, I mean, uh, Lloyd over here, my co-host, is is cautious to divulge anything about his life at all on this podcast or on the internet. But you don't fear the trolls at all. You just bandy about your phone number in the hopes that uh, you attract people who will ask you to make a song, as you say, like I want to ask Mary to the prom or. Uh, about a year ago, I actually had you uh, for Christmas gifts for my parents make songs about either of my parents. But uh, that's also a, uh, a a business you, or, or rather, a service you offer. Correct? Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. Today I've done four of those so far today, and I'm hoping to get a, a couple more done in the uh, after our, our talk. Um, so yeah, that that's good this time. You know. Uh, I'm also very open about how much money it makes me. So, <laughs> the custom, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, the custom songs are um, bringing in about twenty thousand a year on top of the uh, streaming money. So, you know, we're looking at seventy something thousand a year from from this uh, music business. And uh, you know, it's not like what Beyonce makes. But sure, um, no, no. I would I'm, not have uh, guessed. I mean, so that's you make a reasonable living off of this. But it seems like yeah. you must you must devote a pretty obsessive amount of time to churning out all of this, to use an accursed term, content. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's the thing, you know, because I was putting this much time into it, you know, in 2005, you know, when I was earning $25 a year. So um, <laughs> if you if you if you add all the years of work together and the income, then it's not so impressive. But, uh, you know, you got to give it away before you can sell it. And um, Sure. Well, you're a scrapper. I remember that yeah. one scene towards the beginning of Local Legends where you just, you just kind of sit down with your piano and, you know, for example, you would write the Lloyd song and it would be, you know, Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd. And then it would be like the same <laughs> kind of MIDI track in the background. And then, you know, like the song is about a minute and 35 seconds. And then you press stop, and then you just go to the next name in the list, and then you record another song, and it would, that would be like Ralph, 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 and that would be, you know, another minute and thirty seconds, and then like you've done two songs in under five minutes. So some of these are very, very quick, like assembly line productions. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, you know, and, um, uh, you know I, I, I had I, dreams I, of I artistic had dreams integrity of artistic once, integrity. like all of us, <laughs> <laughs> but, but um. um the thing, the thing about, about artistic, artistic integrity, integrity is, like, 
the people that we all admire for supposedly having it, um, they all work for like <laughs> mega corporations, you know. Mega corporations. Um, sure. Uh-huh. And, um, and a lot of them, and a lot of them, um, a lot of them are always complaining about how the mega corporation is, is putting limitations on their creative vision and whatnot. Um, and so, you know, it's like, a, they're not really pure artists because it it just seems uh, is the word antithetical, you know, for uh, sure. Mm. For, for you know, and like any of our favorite movie directors, all work for gigantic corporations so big you know and yet a lot of them try to portray themselves as like outlaw artists sure and, um, of course and so i am i'm i embrace the fact that i'm more of an outlaw than they are and on top of that i also uh, am honest about my uh, commercial aspirations and whatnot in a way that that they're they often tend to uh, hide behind the company. Sure, and I also think that in 2019, with this economy, that people are very forgiving of the idea that I mean, you got you got to have a hustle that pays the bills, you know. And uh, I will say in your defense that uh, when I commissioned my songs from you, you know, you you emailed me back with a, a rather long questionnaire about either parents, and uh, both songs were very distinct. Um, so I think even when you make these commissions for people, you do, you know, there there is a a, a degree of care and, and craftsmanship. I mean, you're, the song you made for my mother made my mother cry. You know, it was very wow. touching. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I put. A, yeah. I mean, all those custom songs are completely uh, original and. Uh, I don't even count that in my total. You know, I have 20,000 songs, but I have another 2,000 unreleased commissions that I've done over the years. Oh, so you, so you don't put all those on your Spotify along with the rest of them? No, he'll no, put them on Spotify for an would. added fee. Oh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a, I mean, it costs for me to release an album anyway. You know, I have to pay a fee to get it up there. And oh, then just the process okay. of doing it. So there's a little fee for that. And, I mean, most people don't necessarily... Um, want their personal life on Spotify. Yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> so, um, what is your most played song on Spotify? It would be the poop song by the <laughs> Toilet Bowl <laughs> Okay, so would you mind uh, kind of uh, uh, you mention it in uh, Local Legends, but why is the poop song your most streamed song? Um, because, uh, you know, again, back to this revelation I had about, uh, 13, four years ago or so, um, it just, I, I just, just was like, you know, I loved singing, just kids love poop and they love singing mm-hmm. about poop, just like, uh, uh, instinctually. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> um, and I still so love it. I, I was yeah. like, if there was a band that just sang about poop, I bet kids would love it. So, uh, so I tried it and sure enough. Kids are typing poop into um, Spotify, and also they're saying, Alexa, play the poop song. Yes. Which has been really nice for me. Yes. Wow. It's like they say, Alexa, play poop, and it's like, sweetie, that's nonsense, but what, what comes on the speaker is is Matt Farley uh, of the Toilet Bowl Cleaners singing the poop song. Well, believe it or not, if you say Alexa play poop, it usually plays a song called I Poop by one of my competitors. Oh, Oh, shit. So... I'm, Curses I'm, to them. I'm reliant upon people saying, Alexa, play the poop song. Right, oh, right, But also, right. what I have going for me is that if you say, like, Alexa, play the Mike poop song, 
Yes, I have a song called the Mike Poop Song, and if you say Alexa, play the Daddy Poop Song, mm -hmm. there's one of those. So, you know, <laughs> I, I'm gonna beat my competitor just with the fact that I have, um, you know, a hundredfold poop song. Sure, this is, is what people in the industry would call a niche. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's pretty. It's a pretty big niche. I think it's a gosh darn uh, universal. So there's poop song. <laughs> there's poop under my fingernails. I know. What are some other toilet bowl, uh, toilet bowl uh, singer uh, song titles? The diarrhea bounce back. Poop in my fingernails. Oh, you said that. Poop into a wormhole. Um, <laughs> it goes on and on. There's, I Just, mean, I have like uh, not to blow up your spot, song. but I believe that a uh, Zoomer sensation. Uh, an international superstar, Billie Eilish, has actually shouted out the toilet bowl cleaners before. That's one of my, one of my great claims to fame. <laughs> <laughs> did she really? She did. Yeah, she did. What? The, wh where was that? It's on an Instagram post where she's like in some thrift store looking at things, and then she's like, "I have this song stuck in my head." Oh, that and rules! Then she like starts singing it, and, and then she is it the poop song? The name of the band? Yeah, it's it's either the poop song or. Poop, 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 poop song. Uh, right, I right. Tell which one she was referring to. <laughs> so, known to Billie Eilish, unlike famously Van Halen. Very true. She you doesn't know. know Van Halen, but she knows the goddamn toilet bowl cleaners. That's right. So, That's I look right. forward to the collaboration. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, what what a world we live in. You know, I mean, if 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 I uh, if I was born, I don't know, twenty know, years earlier, years than, earlier uh, than, uh, there'd be so there'd be so, so fewer, so fewer opportunities. opportunities you know? You know? That's true. This is an instance of the internet working beautifully when uh, when the uh, demonic teenage. Uh, phenomenon uh billy eilish has caught wind of uh the music of matt farley yeah yeah and I how mean, how could I, she not i just would have quit if uh, if it were 1985 when i, when I was doing you know, this there'd be, there'd be no record <laughs> label would ever sign me and uh what i'm gonna do sell poop songs out of my uh car trunk you know? on cassette tapes or something billy eilish if you're listening and i know you are throw at moturn media a goddamn retweet all right Let's 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 the let's, least you could do. Yeah. Oh boy. So Matt, am I wrong in saying that in addition to the toilet bowl cleaners, you also have a variety of of like I would I would call it poop adjacent songs that are about animals pooping, and that's under a separate artist. Yeah. Well, two separate artists. So there's there's the odd man who sings about poop you can pee and. Mm -hmm. I, I, like I like to imagine that's, that's the lead singer of the Toilet Bowl Cleaners who, who went solo for a while. You right, know, right, know. right. When Mick Jagger releases a solo album. I was going to say, yeah, the one with the album covers, like him laying on the bed with the roses. Yeah, I like that. But I mean, I think um, what Lloyd may not be aware of is that you have a whole plethora of different names that you record under oh, no. on I, Spotify. I checked yeah. it out. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. You've, you've, how, many, how many personas do you have on there? Around 80. Yeah. 80? Wow. 8-0? Zero? Zero. Yeah. Matthew, my goodness. <laughs> and, well, what, what, you know, if you dig into it, you'll learn that, like, you'll, you'll see, like, uh, the singing animal lover, um, how he get, he wanted to do the Animal Poop Songs album, but it went to the odd man who sings about poop, puke, and pee, and so the singing animal lover got angry, and he left. He left Motown Media and has this whole album where he's singing angrily about Matt Farley. Wow! Uh, wow! And he's, 
He starts his own label called Singing Animal Lover Music, and, he, and then he signs the Toilet Bowl Cleaners and releases one of their albums. So, so you have this kind of, of you have this extended universe yeah. on Spotify with like constructed foes and it's whatnot. Not a, it's not a yeah. cinematic universe, you, but it's a, a an entirely audio based universe. Yeah. The the guy who sings songs about cities and towns, he has an after releasing like thirteen albums about cities and towns, he came out with a. A confessional album called "I've Never Left My Hometown," and um, which I've listened which, to. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's a pretty darn good album, if I do say so. Well, I want to I want to uh, emphasize too yeah. that you have a lot of uh, straightforward songs that I quite like. I mean, you've recorded so many. I don't even know if you remember them, but uh, I'm partial to the songs. Uh, I really like "Delicate Genius." I think is a very good song. Uh, I also really like the song "Sped Up Credits." That goes uh, like the sped up credits on the movies on TV. Nobody notices me, which I think is like such a kind of like funny and clever metaphor. I couldn't imagine anyone else who would kind of refer to something as like specific yet ubiquitous as like when you watch a movie on cable, the credits are inevitably sped up as they play ads alongside. I just think it's very clever to kind of, uh, uh, you know, again, use that as a as a metaphor for feeling kind of uh, marginalized or looked over, which I do feel you have a lot of self-deprecating humor in your work, but I do feel there is like kind of a genuine strand of pathos regarding like, you know, uh, not toiling in obscurity, but perhaps not getting your due uh, despite all of this, all of this work you put out. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I mean, again, if I had a publicist, the publicist would, would, would pay a journalist to write a article about how great I am. But I don't, so I'm forced to come off as sounding really um, self-aggrandizing when I say what I'm about to say, which is, yes, I'm the greatest songwriter of all time, and not just because of the funny poop songs, but for like the songs you mentioned, and so many others. Like in addition to these silly albums, I have more legitimate masterpieces than any band that's ever existed. And uh, I agree. I go on these walks. I go on these really long walks, and I usually listen to like murder podcasts. But then when I, when I get scared enough. I start listening to my own songs on Spotify, and by the time I'm home, I'm so mad because the songs are so good. Buddy, so I feel you. people listen to them. Ah! <laughs> so there must be some ambivalence over the fact that Poop Song is your most streamed song. And yet, this is the monster of your own creation. You gamed the system, but as of right now, your legacy is Poop Song as opposed to delicate genius or line the sun with me or or anything off those albums yeah well that but that's beautiful because well, again that, that's beautiful i'd rather have to do it that I'd way than do it this fraud uh corporate way in which you have publicists and and teams and everyone else why is that worse behind the scenes doing things you know i i, I love being scrappy i love doing it myself i have no one to answer to but me and it's like, yeah, I wrote funny poop songs, and it doesn't mean that I can't also write incredibly great other songs. So I agree, fine, but this is interesting know? to me. So you're you're very averse to the idea of going the kind of uh, conventional corporatized route in the music business. Is, is, do you have a, a a a particular aversion to having uh, representation, having to sort of sell yourself in some kind of uh, commodified way that rubs you the wrong way? Is it something like that? Well, it helps that they would never want to sign me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, like um, specifically, you know, I was watching a documentary about Bob Dylan and 
in the he's interviewed in it and at one point he says like you know he's like no offense but i hate being interviewed i hate i hate dealing with people like you and talking to the interviewers was this the ro- I, was this the, the rolling thunder review uh, on netflix no, it was don't. Uh, it was it called Don't Look Back or something? Or oh, what? yes, was the, the other Martin Scorsese one. Oh, the original like one. Yeah. Ten years earlier, and and the then Pan you look at film, the credits, yeah. and Bob Dylan is a producer, producer and then you and read, then about, you read about, about it, and you realize, and you realize his, his team, team went, went to, to Martin, Martin Scorsese, Scorsese and asked him to make the movie. Oh, this is and No Direction like, Home. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it. Yeah, yeah. No yeah, Direction yeah. Home, and it's like, oh, this is so fake. Like, well, in that movie's defense, I think I think that Bob Dylan, it's it's similar to the new one they made that's on Netflix. It's it's like kind of a lark. There's kind of like a winking irony to it. But it, 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 it's true. There is a lot of that kind of like manufactured tension when it comes to like media representation of, you know, would be iconoclasts, you know, when it refers to musicians. But Amen. yeah. Amen. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm most I'm really a happy-go-lucky guy. Uh, well, sure. I like to get on my high horse. I, I I think he seems like a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. Now, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but like you you didn't do the thing where you like moved to New York City or like yeah, you moved I was to Los Angeles. Like, did you ever as far attempt as I know, to go to legit route? Did you or was it always like I'm going to be a DIY guy? I'm sorry to talk over you, but you just reminded me. But right, yeah, but like you you've kind of you've kind of as far as I know you came up in and you remained in Manchester, New Hampshire. Is that right? Uh, so I grew up uh, north of Boston in Massachusetts, um, and I, I, then I lived in Providence, Rhode Island for college, and then Manchester, New Hampshire from 20, 2000 till 2010. Now I'm back uh, in the area where I grew up. Oh, I see. Um, but yeah, you know, like um, I, the whole again, like gate, the whole idea of like um, being chosen by a gatekeeper was not uh, was not up my alley. Not that you know, of course. I would send CDs out to places and whatnot um, to try to get people's attention, and never n- nothing came of it. But uh, but I, I did, you know. It just felt more artistically honest to uh, to be in my little apartment in Manchester. And I find if if you're surrounded by creative people like you would, you know, especially in LA, it seems like I don't know. Creative people are not that great to be to be around. I'd rather be around. I'd rather be around normal people. Hmm. Okay, so that's interesting. So if we can kind of switch gears and talk about your film work for a second. Um, so additionally to your your compulsive uh, music recording, you make these. Uh, you make these uh, feature films that kind of uh, consist of a. Uh, a, a repertory of people you return to and um, uh, they are just kind of, I suppose, people from your hometown. It's like this community that time and again makes these uh, films together, correct? Yeah, you know, anyone I come in contact with who shows the slightest inclination that they'd want to be involved, I, I cling to those people. And um, because I... I, I um, well, I, it's just it's hard to get people uh, like to to show up. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah I don't yeah, know if you had this experience making movies. Oh, I certainly just, have. Yeah. Mm. Okay. People just drop out. People just don't show up all the time, and you know it's before like all my movies are amateurish, but you know the even more amateurish ones in the '90s and the early 2000s was kind of like a chance to figure out. What 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 works and what doesn't work given our our limitations, you know, and 
And one thing that doesn't work is when, when people don't show up. So it's like, mm. get the people who are real close to you so that they'd, they'd be, be too, too, you know, you know too, too ashamed, ashamed to not show up because they know they're <laughs> going to see you. you that is one way. That's my method as well. Mm. But you have at least since, say, Don't Let the River Beast Get You or Freaky Farley established kind of like uh, roughly a dozen people that you return to film after film, correct? Yeah, yeah, but you know, by Freaky Farley, and you know, Freaky Farley was the turning point. Yeah, we we shot that one on on film and oh. whatnot. And it, Freaky it, it Farley was some... your Mean Streets in a way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> um, and um, now I'm trying to think how all the others compare <laughs> to, to Scorsese movies. Don't let the river <laughs> beast get you, is Taxi Driver. <laughs> Local Legends, which we're going to talk about later, because I think that's your most fascinating film. I don't know what that would be, but that's uh, my king of comedy. The, oh, excellent! Yes, it is your king of comedy. <laughs> Very good. But I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, but yeah, you know, we got people, and then you know, people who you notice aren't in more than one movie. Those are the ones that it was harder, just harder to lock them down. And so, you know, like it, nothing's worse than being making the movie and feeling. The fact that someone doesn't want to be there, it can just really Absolutely. kill the, the vibe, you know? And it's like, we just, you know, it's 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 mostly we're just, obviously, we, you know, we'd love to be successful and everything else, but if it's not at least fun, then then why are we even doing it? What the so, hell, you, what the hell uh, are you we, doing we it for? We try to yeah. make it as pleasant and, and fun and experience. And, and one thing that I'm, I'm especially aware of is like, even the good-natured people, they're, you know, they're sacrificing their time for me. And, uh, of course. I got to keep things moving. Keep it moving and get them out of there. There's times like, ooh, wouldn't it be nice to get this shot or that shot? And ultimately, the answer is uh, it's, not, it's not worth it because then they won't want to do the next movie, you know? Yeah. Mm. Huh. Oh, I want to work under this guy. He sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, uh, uh, Matt, you saw the... Uh, one feature film that I've made. Uh, my co-host oh, Lloyd yeah. here was um, very involved in that in the production of that film. I sure was. And I guess I kind of had the opposite policy because um, it was very long days, and I made everyone miserable, and I uh, I uh, ruined a couple of friendships over it. Uh, but <laughs> not this I, one, pal. Not this one, though. We started a podcast, but uh, I tell you, Lloyd really busted his ass on that movie. But uh, now, I, were, were you able to compensate anyone financially? Uh, some people, but not everyone. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, like yourself, I'm sure I was working with a very limited budget. I was acting as my own producer. Uh, I didn't get all the money at once. I was very much just flying by the seat of my pants. But, uh, I mean, I, I certainly that feel... That was a wild production. That was something else. It wasn't that bad, yeah, well, Lloyd, I mean, honestly. It could have like been a lot worse. Scene, okay. you know, the party scene? It really scene, wasn't that yeah, bad. Yeah. I was... I'm sorry, Matt, but I was owning it a little bit. It was not a fucking disaster, Lloyd. It really wasn't that bad, okay? Okay. I've been on worse than my of course, own. Of course, of course. Right? No, no, it wasn't the worst yeah, it was film just, I've ever been on. It was certainly. long days. And you know what? It was yeah. fucking worth it, all right? And Matt thinks it was worth it. <laughs> Matt thinks it was worth Heck it. Heck yeah. I love that movie. Uh, Matt sent like me a beautiful part- email uh, uh, after he watched the film. I read it today. I wanted to fucking cry. I was so grateful, <laughs> you know? So, well, yeah. you know what? You know what, Lloyd? Know. Not, you, you don't know how it feels to be a put-upon auteur like me and Matt Farley, <laughs> all right? Oh. So I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to demean the work of either of you gentlemen. This is not about me, but... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you prioritize the comfort of your cohorts when you make a film. 
It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, your movie was much Sounds more nice. ambitious uh, than, than any of mine. And, um, you know, I'm very in awe. Like, the party scene that you had... Um, where like a dramatic thing happens. I don't want to. I don't know who's listening. And oh, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, that was a so, fucking so nightmare. Shot film. at the party scene, and there's so many people. Um, One day, and it's nighttime. How did you pull that off? Uh, are you referring to the ISIS compound or the earlier scene? <laughs> someone doesn't. Someone get shot. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the. That's later. I mean, there honestly yeah, wasn't. Yeah, so I'm talking about the later one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, I mean, there honestly weren't that many people, though. So I feel like, uh, you know, we're kind of equal in ambition. It was just a matter of, you know, uh, crew members had to slap on bikinis and be extras when we shot those scenes and everything. You know, it was it was really it was it was quite desperate and just a matter of thinking on one's feet and trying to make it work. So mustering all the resources that were available. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was really as threadbare as possible, but I, I, yeah. So, so I really feel, you know, I I have a, once again, I feel, I feel a kinship with you because I feel like we're, I mean, you have more of a following than me. You actually make money off of your art, but, um, I do feel like I'm the Michael Jordan of investing time and effort into something that is ultimately ignored, including this podcast. So for that reason, <laughs> I really look up to you, Matt. <laughs> Good for you. But you have a line in a Local Legends that I think is beautiful where you kind of describe how um, and I want you to elaborate on this, that you, you, you know, you and, and maybe you said a couple other collaborators, you save up a little money over a certain length of time and then you make the film and you say something like, you know, it's about the cost of a used car, but I'd rather have a bunch of movies than a bunch of used cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I mean, what is the point of life? You know, like I, I, for someone like me who's who just wants to make movies, it's like uh, you know, let's make the sacrifice and uh, and do it. And it's, um, you know, I mean, it's the the standard thing, you know, like uh, material objects aren't going to necessarily give you uh, happiness versus uh, the experience of making the movie. And the beauty of it is, you do have a material object in the end in in the finished work and in, in something that you're going to remember forever. It's just a it's a great experience. It's exhausting. It's painful. It's a roller coaster. But um, otherwise, what are we doing? Just treading water till we die? Very true. You have a record. Mm. If nothing else, you have a record of something that has transpired. Uh, and the significance of that, I don't think, can be overstated. That is a beautiful yeah. thing. Once again. I was here we at were, this point. We were here. Yeah, at this had something happened say. here. This is proof that I fucking existed. You raised you know? a runestone to yourself. Yeah. And you said, this is good. Yes. So let's talk about local legends. Um, so this is your uh, kind of a uh, autobiographical film, but yeah. to me, it's it's so interesting and original, and and truthfully, I, I think it kind of uh, uh, it, it, it it speaks to something very modern because it's it's uh, it's like partly a kind of explanatory documentary where you kind of talk about your approach to the music business and the movies you've made. Uh, It's like kind of part essay film, but it's also like curiously built around this narrative, which is like, it's, it's, it's it's a scripted narrative, but you play yourself, but for some reason it revolves around this woman who wants to hook up with you 
but you rebuff her affections because she is like kind of a fair weather Billy Joel fan. First of all, what what inspired you to make this movie about yourself through that lens? Why have the kind of like uh, staged, um, not drama, but narrative at the center that is actually quite specific and weird and funny? What made you want to, first of all, what made you want to make local legends in the first place and why did it take the form that it did? Uh, well, I, you know, I, I love Woody Allen movies and, um, the one thing I get mad about in watching Woody Allen movies is like, the you know, he depicts the life of, of a creative person and when I watch it, I get mad. I'm just always mad, basically. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I get mad because because um, he makes it look so cool, but then I'm like, you know, I'm a suburban auteur, you know, in the way yeah. that he's the, the auteur of Manhattan. Metropolitan whatever, you know? auteur, yeah. And so um, I, I just wanted to, to tell tell that story, you know, from that point of view. And um, I want you know I wanted it to be autobiographical, and um, and so I just took uh, some of the funniest and most interesting things that had happened to me, like in the previous ten years, and, and just put them all in the movie, um, you know. And then the essay was the essay format, like you say, was just a chance to get a lot of rage off my chest, you know. Sure. And, uh, uh, and frankly, while I was, it kind of happened in the process of writing it. Like it was more of a narrative when I started, but as I was writing it, you know, like the businessman part of me was saying, "You should use this movie to promote your music." And so, and in, and in the film, you play a dual role. There's kind of like a surreal, uh, recurring uh, series of scenes in which you have a dialogue with yourself, in which you, on one end of a desk, play like kind of a. Uh, an executive with his hair slicked back and on the other end is you, which is kind of funny because the movie to me, it's, it's, it's about you and you're drawing from like your own filmography and music career. But for some reason it works by itself, even if you're not familiar with your work, because just like everything is just kind of like aesthetically and tonally of a piece in a weird way. So it just kind of feels like we're living inside this crazy man's brain when we're watching it and we're just watching him talk to himself, but it, but it just kind of, it just kind of works and it's very funny and compelling. Yeah. With all the clips from, um, the old movies, uh, it was just kind of like, wow, I have these, these clips are just going to be, uh, so great for people just to see a little clip of a movie I made in like 1997 on VHS. And like when you, um, when you watch a movie like Rushmore, you know, they, they like, they show the, Performances that he puts on at his school, and you just see those little clips of those performances. Like, I guess one of them is like Rambo on stage, or something. Yeah, yeah, like, like that. the plays he puts on. Yeah, yeah, or Serpico or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so any time that you can have, have just like, like a cutaway, a cutaway to something, something that lasts ten seconds, and then but just seems to have this whole mythology around it, and then if. And then, but that's all it is to the movie. It's like just, it's like flexing your muscles. Like, isn't well, that's so what's so cool? funny, yeah, because it's like as if you're a fictional character, except you're a real man, and you actually do have this vast reservoir right. of stuff you've made to draw on. So it's like, why not just plug and play? And it's like, there it is. This is my self-portrait. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's that's what I was going for. And uh, but also, you know, I wanted to speak to a generation, like I say in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I think Local Legends is kind of it's 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 in a way it's 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 very much a film of the times because it's like so this is a guy who has this compulsive need to create 
and he churns out all these songs and all these movies to the extent that he's become something of an eccentric. So he makes this kind of memoiristic film about himself. And it's like you are content incarnate. Which I feel like is... It's very inspiring. <laughs> it's very inspiring. You look at this guy and think, damn, I could be doing so much more. It's true. And I just feel like that's what everyone is kind of doing to a degree. But you just do it with like so much uh, so much elbow. Like you, like I, I joked on this pod early in this podcast about how I just want to be a, like a pure distillation of content energy spread across the matrix. But you're really doing it, sir. He's doing the work. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. So yeah, you know, it's uh, the thing is, um, I was kind of doing it, you know, before the internet was even uh, that big, you know, like in in college in the '90s, I was uh, me and my friend Tom, we were we'd spend entire weekends in our dorm room writing 90-minute albums and recording the whole thing, and uh, it it just it worked out really well that then uh, the internet came along and gave me some place to put it all. Hmm. That's that's nice. That's really nice. Now I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you. So you you grew up in northern Massachusetts. Then you went yeah. to school in Rhode Island, and then you settled in in Manchester, New Hampshire for a while. And now you've moved back to northern Massachusetts. And is there something about New England that's important for you? Like, is there a reason you haven't? Like gone to a different part of the yeah, country. Yeah, why never go to New York? That's what I'm still wondering. Why because, have you, ever... you said because you said that thing about like creative people not being the best to be around. That you'd rather be around normal people. And I want you to expand a little bit on that, if you could. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I have a a problem in that wherever I am, I think is the greatest place you could ever be. Oh boy, so, Manchester, uh, New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I am for, familiar, yeah, and I like, can't uh, yeah. imagine. You can't recommend it, Lloyd. Um, well, you know, I, I mean, well, Matt, tell me, what, what did you like about New Hampshire, I mean, about Manchester specifically and about New Hampshire broadly? I will just piggyback on that. Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate for someone so ambitious and someone who like actually delivers on such a consistent basis, why not just give New York a try? That's what I really want to know. Like, why, why not do that if you're like an aspiring musician, filmmaker, what have you? Um, be, I just... I, I can't like the whole concept of trying to trying to convince someone that that your work is uh, is worthwhile. It just feels uh, it feels hard given the nature of my work, you know. And uh, and it just like ugh, I don't know the the effort that you're spending trying to get noticed in New York, you could spend creating stuff in New Hampshire, and then the stuff could work as the advertisement. For myself, so I'm creating much more stuff um, with fewer distractions, and uh, you know, um, I'm, I don't know where I'd be if I had moved to New York in the year 2000, but uh, I'm pretty happy with where I am. You right would have now. been corrupted, Matt. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty incorruptible. I think. Um, I think you are too. No, I think you're. I think you're really a, a wholesome little angel. You think so? But with with the kind of with the kind of drive and ambition that this guy has, someone would have taken advantage. Like in someone New York or I mean no I'm talking about Matt like yeah like he's his his kind of uh, like you have so much drive like you have you have so much potential for for creation mm -hmm. and you know some someone would have done something with that and it might not have been he, you it might have been somebody else taking advantage of you I mean you know and that's a good reason not to move to a big city I think you know is to avoid those kind of charlatans 
Was that something yeah. you, you thought about when you considered this stuff? I mean, what, I, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed cool, you know? Like, um, if I hear the story of a writer who moved to New York City to make it versus I hear the story of uh, J.D. Salinger who moved to New Hampshire to get away from everything, I like uh, Salinger's story better, you know, even though he started off in New York. Um, yeah, I think that's a crucial and, difference, but yeah. Yeah, but but they're just, I don't know, like, uh, it just see, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a wholesome little boy, but I'm also like a... <laughs> Um, Are you afraid uh, of the fierce... idea of like New York or LA? Is that something that maybe intimidates you on some level? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, I don't like uh, talking to people or uh, <laughs> like, uh, especially in the creative. I just I want pure. I just want to be able to create what I want to create. And I don't, you know, I don't. You prefer to, to let your work uh, speak for itself. Have meetings. Yeah, just yeah. do. It. I mean, it's working. Working pretty well, and frankly, you know. I mean, you're making more money than me, York, so who but... am I to <laughs> criticize? But I'm just curious, and I, I, I've listened to your most recent album, which was a trilogy of albums you made with, uh, I'm sorry, is the act called Mo 79? Mo 75. 75, nice. I'm sorry. But I, my favorite song is the last song called A Thousand Tries, and in that, uh, you know, the character you assume in the lyrics talks about feeling ambivalently about whether he should... Um, uh, leave or stay in his hometown and um, you'll have to excuse me I'll quote you at length here you say uh, they say if I enjoy the moment there won't be so much disappointment they say I keep my standards high they keep theirs low and I don't know why they say if I leave they'll grieve but I think they'll be more preve it won't be too long I guess soon as I left they'll forget but I'll still write letters because I cannot try can't not try but I'm not expecting any replies and that makes me think that there is maybe kind of like a trace of doubt or something, or I don't know what, what kind of inspired that. Um, let's see. Well, um, that whole album is about, um, you know, 19 year olds, um, who are clinging to their, uh, their younger life while facing the facts that they're getting, you know, getting older and have to do something with their lives. And so it's just about like, what do you do? Do you stay home and, and be like a townie or do you go out and, and do something? And, uh, I mean, frankly, uh, you know, for me moving to Manchester, New Hampshire was, was the equivalent of, uh, of, of like moving away. And I was only an hour, hour away from where I grew up. So, you know, I, I, I do, I'm big on that theme of like, you know, go, going away, but then coming back home. Uh, and you know, I've traveled, I've, I've been in four, all 48 continental States. I've, uh, driven coast to coast five different times, rode my bicycle to Florida. Uh, and so I'm big on adventures and whatnot. Oh, I just, man, uh, you have I like, so much time to do stuff. Like that's that's so great, man. Good for you. Like, that's that's the shit that I want to do. Like, I, well, I would love to have a bike family, to right? You have a family. Yeah, yeah I do know. Oh, but can I also say it's, oh, my, you have no idea how nice it is to hear you quote my song. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, I was getting goosebumps. Well, I just so wanted to say also before we, we switch subjects, but I really like that song, and maybe this is not what you intended, but I quite relate to it because, like, the chorus is, you know, uh, you know, don't tell me I'm just certain because it's mine. A thousand tries. It's this one every time. 
And you know, in the beginning you say like, if I enjoy the moment, it won't be so disappointing. And I feel like that's what I try to tell myself. Like, like you know, we talked a little bit about my film and I don't wanna make this about me, but it's like, you know, it was so stressful and difficult to make the film and like, no one cares about it, but like you try to console yourself by saying, hey, well, at least I had a meaningful experience, but it's like, well, did I? Like, it was actually very difficult and it actually soured some relationships and it was really hard. And it's like, so then what am I left with, you know? And it's like, this can't be it. It's like, God damn it, this is a piece of my fucking heart. The least you can do is fucking look at it, you know? So it's like, you can't quite consult, as much as you think you should, and as right as it may sound to say like, hey, at least a, a bunch of people came together and had this communion and made this thing, but that's not really true. I mean, really what you want is for people to to, to uh, uh, experience it and have a response to it, and when you're denied that, it's, uh, it's no joke. So that's what I took away from that song. But I don't know if that's Beautiful. what you felt. Yeah, yeah well, uh, and, and as you're reading it to me, I'm remembering um, like what I'm saying there in some way also is that like, uh, I think that I think the way that it is that, that my friends and I interact and just like what we've done in our lives is like cool and interesting and, and so cool and interesting that we should be writing songs about it and making movies about it and whatnot. And, um, you know, I'm just feeling like like we said earlier, like, gosh, darn it, we we're alive in the world and it's it's interesting. Uh, and we, and people people need to know, you know, much like people need to see your movie. And uh, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I'm, uh, and it's occurring to me that I must sound like such an elitist prick talking about like New York and whatnot, because I think that uh, that is also like a pretty conservative view of like the artistic life, because it's like you've made so many films and have recorded so much music and have kind of stayed in this one little space that you want to stay in. And that's an accomplishment unto itself. But what we were going to get into before is that you do all this stuff, but you also have like a day job and a family, right? Well, I don't have the day job anymore. Um, I stopped oh, working nice. in 2017. You know, the uh, the money from the streaming and the customs is enough. Also, I, I got a job for a year. I was the the pitch man for an auto dealership in, in Minnesota. Do you ever see that? Or no? Is that the video with the green screen where you're like playing a song on the keyboard? Yeah, yeah. yeah I have seen that. <laughs> I have seen that. It's quite comical. I drove I drove the whole state of Minnesota uh, insane. They would play those ads between every inning of um, Minnesota Twins games. And, uh, <laughs> I, I think people hated it, but it was hilarious. It was a but, nice but not only do you balance your family life with your work, your wife is in practically every one of your films, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, she's the one. She's the blonde in Local Legends. Um, and yeah, so we is have she the, Is she the blonde you find at the end or the one who's pining for you? The one at the end, right? She's the one... The, yeah, the one that I end up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's that like, weird. like working with your wife, collaborating with your wife? Uh, you know, it, it's good, you know? I mean, uh, I, I don't think acting is something she'd do otherwise. It's one of those things she, she wants to be involved because I'm doing it, but uh, I don't think it's always her number one thing to do, but I kind of know what her... Uh, what her sweet spots are for you know mm. what, what she likes to do and and what she's best at so i try to just write it to uh to do to do that it's one of those things like if she's not in it then she's sad that she's not in it but if she is in it then she's annoyed that she has to <laughs> <laughs> well one thing i want to say so local legends is a bit of an exception in your filmography um but yeah. uh regarding the other films of yours that i've seen um so 
to describe it, it's it's it's, it's interesting. So like, um, having gone to film school, like Lloyd, I'm a bit of an expert in um, what you can call uh, dog shit amateurism. Mm. Um, and your films are not that at all, but I'm I'm, I'm highlighting this because like so like when there's like a bad thing that's like made with like inexperienced people, I think the reason it's bad is because they're trying to like copy a specific thing, like oh I want this to to feel like Fight Club, and they're failing to accomplish that thing. So there's like an awkward inauth- inauthenticity to the product. And, um, you know, you obviously have a higher degree of filmic craft, too, but, you know, you work with non-actors and there's this kind of like amusing, like kind of stilted delivery to the lines from your non-actors. But it doesn't it doesn't like it, it works because I don't feel like you're trying to copy some other pre-existing film, even when you work in genre like, you know, the monster movie genre with Don't Let the River Beast Get You. It just feels like a pure expression. It doesn't feel like an expression that's corrupted by the fact that like someone is trying to get a specific result and they're not. So there's like this curious kind of like self-confidence to the movies even though they consist of uh, non-actors and those non-actors perform in a way that is, you know, not naturalistic. Does that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, uh, I've seen at film festivals, you know, just these awful, pretentious, awful film festivals uh, are horrible. Film festivals are awful, and it's just <laughs> it's very like, just like oh, groan inducing, and or 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 being or like taking a um, like a social cause that is um, big, like mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. Like, if you make a movie about, like, whatever, like, the cause du jour happens to be, then, yes. like, you're kind of immune from criticism, because no one can criticize a movie because you, cause it, it's about a, uh, uh, an important movement or something. You you're know? preaching to the choir, feels... brother. Say again? You're preaching to the choir, brother. Okay, yeah. So, I see so many of those, these just weepy, uh, just inauthentic, uh, dis- <laughs> disingenuous movies um, that are also poorly made. So, you know, when we make them, we just want to be like, no, knock it off. Let you know, make something entertaining. You know, instead of something that's preaching in a way that uh, the most obviously preachy thing. So, and, and, but also, you know, I would love, I would love to make a, you know, a Stanley Kubrick style movie. You know, like Barry Lyndon or something. But obviously, uh, <laughs> like. I'd have to really change the way I did things. So given well, the I don't only mean that you're not pandering. I feel like it. It, it, it just seems to come from like an authentic, uh, an authentic place inside of you. Like, it, like I don't notice you trying to like copy other films when you make your yeah, films. To- yeah, yeah. To- and what it's it's because we know it's, it's like, like given what we're working with, with, how can we, we make, make something that's, that's original and entertaining? And, and then, then we, we write it. Um, you know. And even, and, you know, pe- some people make movies where they, they want their actors to do it bad, you know, badly, uh, bad acting. And we don't. We, we encourage good acting. And it just turns out that as hard as we all try, we're not that good at it. And so <laughs> so that, that's what makes it entertaining. You know, someone trying and failing is that more tension. funny than someone trying to fail but i think but what i think is a significant difference is that even if they quote unquote fail it works because to me the actors in your movies 
they don't feel self-conscious. Like, even if it doesn't conform to, like, a kind of a, a typical understanding of naturalistic acting, like, the movies and the Motern universe at large has, like, a tone that its own that is its own. And for that reason, it works. It doesn't feel like someone who's, like, nervously trying to do it a certain way and it falls flat, which perhaps can be accredited to the uh, simpatico environment you instill on your sets. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know... We, we love it's a, you know we go into it uh, pretty much saying whatever comes out is is perfect you know like <laughs> whatever the person says you know even if they're stumbling over their line we're like you know what the way you stumbled over your line people are gonna be quoting that for years that's so, something that's a record of something that stumble yeah oh god <laughs> you'll be you'll be happy the next movie we're doing metal detector maniac uh, it's it's kind of going back to the local legend style. Where it's a, the uh, the it takes place in a somewhat more realistic world. Uh, it's gonna be in black and white again. It it's gonna have more. It's more of a na- it's a narrative, but um, it definitely is taking elements from. It's kind of like uh, local legends is Annie Hall, and uh, this new movie we're doing is is our uh, Manhattan murder mystery. Wow, interesting. You ever see Orson Welles' film uh, F for Fake? That also local legends reminds me of F for Fake. Yeah, I love F for Fake. Me too, uh, yeah. It's so good. Oh. I could watch it uh, over and over and over again. But yeah, absolutely, I love it because, you know, he's he's breaking the fourth wall all the time. Mm-hmm. We're going in He and sneaks out of in a narrative about and, uh, himself, yeah. yeah. I want... I'm sorry, Lloyd, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, uh, has anyone... You, you like to bandy about your phone number. Has anyone ever trolled you, or do you ever worry that you shouldn't put your actual phone number all over the damn place or is it just kind of worked out and that the lesson being you shouldn't fear the dang trolls because they're cowards yeah uh you know um i get i get calls every day and uh i i love it you know if if it weren't for my wife i would keep the phone on overnight and answer every time <laughs> and you I, I can attest you answer your phone immediately when someone calls you <laughs> yeah, and usually there's that pause on the other side. They're like, oh, my God. He actually, well, that was my experience. It's like, wow, he actually does answer the phone if you call him. Yeah. Yeah, we had a great talk. It was fantastic. Absolutely. Um, What'd you talk about? But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. What, what's, what, I guess the worst that happens is they just keep calling over and over again, and I think you have the option to block a phone number. Sure, right? but you've never really had that experience. I, I've had I've had a little bit, but uh, oh, okay. you know they they usually either just stop or or I don't know I I've probably silenced a couple numbers you know right um, so you know even it's worth even it, those though. people I can't I have like I can't help it I, I admire their tenacity My, you know like I see a little bit of myself in, in right right, to right. Give up. <laughs> yeah but to answer your question Lloyd uh, I first uh, uh, at least over the phone met Matt because I. Uh, I called him to make a song for a trailer I made for my movie. Oh, so wait, so so he wrote the Delenda song. Yeah, 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 the oh. drugs, teens, ISIS song. That's him. Right. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I recognized. Which that was voice. already a year ago. Can you huh. believe that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I, that was fun, and I love the way the the trailer came out with the song. It's like I'm revved up watching that video. Good work. No, I mean good work to you as well. Me and Matt just keep sucking each other's dicks oh, on this episode. You guys, you guys love each other. This is great. No, I'm I'm just enjoying watching this happen. You know, I don't have a lot to add, but you know, we love to see this. For it's sure. very true. It's very true. So uh, you got uh, when can me and Lloyd appear in a uh, Motern production? Oh, uh, you know, I mean, we're up for anything. We, 
we feel bad when people have to travel a, a great distance. Of course, uh, of course. To do it, but I mean, next time we film in Connecticut uh, frequently. Do you guys have a vehicle or not? Well, I think the train goes up to uh, where New Haven. Sure, take the old Metro North. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, can, we yeah can there's pop train up for options a weekend. for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, if we're it's we're getting down to there's only a few more days of shooting for this movie, but um, you know. We want to make Freaky Farley 2 also. And I remember. Some, I remember you mentioning that. Ninjas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh... So if, you're, you're in. You got the part. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if I ever get my shit together and make another movie, I'd love it if you'd uh, cameo in it or something. But, yeah. Oh, cool. I'd be honored. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah. Can I say one other thing? <laughs> of oh, course. Of course. I do a free show every month here in Danvers, Massachusetts. Um... Call me, 603-644-0048, if you want the dates of the of the show. And also, every October is my five-and-a-half-hour extravaganza. The next one is October 24th. Um, and the day after that is the premiere of Metal Detector Maniac. That's going to be a good weekend in New England. Damn. And what's, in what sense is it going to premiere? Um, I'm renting out a tiny little uh, hall and projecting it onto a, a little screen. Nice. That rules. Well, if I could, if I can leave you with one more pretentious quotation, uh, yeah. what you remind me of is the is the Stephen Crane poem. Uh, a man says to the universe, "Sir, I exist." Yes, replies the universe, but that does not create in me a sense of obligation. And yeah. uh, and I relate to that very much. So mm. you know, here's to uh, toiling in obscurity. But, uh, Absolutely, but but you know, life is long. Uh, I'm I'm only 41 years old, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I, exp- I hope to be 95 and still uh, churning out songs, and who knows uh, what wild things will happen between now and then. Hell yeah, dude! The future is so bright, you need shades. That's how I feel. What a beautiful thing. And uh, yeah, you're you're an inspiring artist, Matt, and uh, and a genuine guy. Uh, many of your films are on Prime, including Local Legends. Correct. Tell us where we can find you. Yeah, Local Legends is on Amazon Prime. So is Freaky Farley, Monsters, Marriage, and Murder in Manch Vegas. Slingshot Cops was up there, but the company we used to get up there went bankrupt. Oh, no. So it's, it's currently down, but we're, we're getting it back up there very soon. Well, I got so, the Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, good for you. Nice. I sent it to you, yeah. Apparently. You sent it to me for free, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you deserve it. I mean, yeah, you've hired me for three custom songs. It's the least I can do. That's true. And also, folks, this it's December. Like, honestly, Matt's custom songs are, are like, an excellent gift. They're the most creative gift you can get. I, I can't recommend that enough. So if you want to get, uh, you know a loved one, a personalized song, uh, call the number he, uh, he, uh, mentioned earlier. He seems to know what he's doing. Yeah. Has he, I don't think he said his phone number, has he? He did. Yeah. Earlier, he did. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. And we can find three. Yeah. Yeah. Zero, zero, four, eight. <laughs> That's right. And we can also find you. Is it at Moturn media on Twitter? Oh yeah. Cool. Well, you can find us at Feeling Well Pod on Twitter. You can find me at PLS. God help me, PLS. You can find Lloyd at Void Howler, uh, and you could uh, email we're on YouTube us. now. Oh yes, we're on yeah. YouTube now. Uh, we'll have clips and full episodes up there. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you can you can uh, send us emails at uh, uh, feelingwellpod at gmail. I would love to do an advice column on here. Folks, hit us up. Uh, we should give you advice. We're very well adjusted. That's right. And uh, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thanks a lot, dude. Yeah, this is fun. Thanks for having me.
This was fun. Thank you. And uh, Lloyd, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Ralph. See you next time. Yeah, 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 yeah.